Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, is it me or is recycling in DC really confusing? I never know how you're meant to recycle things like electronics. Just last week, DC launched a first-of-its-kind drop-off program to recycle batteries. But half the time, I'm not even sure if it's worth it to be sorting things out. Like, does it actually make a difference? Charlotte Dryson says yes, recycling is worth it, and explains the ins and outs of recycling in DC. Oh, and after the interview, lead producer Priyanka Tilve will be joining us for a conversation sponsored by Food and Friends about their slice-of-life pie sale. Stick around for a mouth-watering conversation. Today's Monday, November 13th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. So Charlotte, thank you so much for being here. I know that we are all told that we are supposed to be recycling, right? I've heard it a million times. I know I'm meant to be doing it. However, it's not always so cut and dry as put this item that you're done with in the recycle bin. What are some of the common mistakes that you hear folks in D.C. making when it comes to recycling? Yeah, it's a great question. And you are so right. Recycling is not easy and it's not always super logical. It always depends on where you are. So in D.C., there are a lot of places where folks can tend to get tripped up. One of the biggest ways is by putting recyclables into a plastic bag or putting contamination in general into the recycling system. And that's really a big problem because the recycling system can only handle so much contamination and material like plastic film or garden hoses or window blinds or cords can all tangle around recycling equipment and cause the whole facility to have to shut down. What are some ways that folks can prep the things that they are trying to recycle in the way that is appropriate and it's not going to cause the system to shut down or malfunction? Yeah, the best ways to prepare items for recycling are going to be to make sure that they're all clean and dry. When we recycle something, we're basically trying to get it back into the state that it's clean enough for a company to buy it and put it into a new product. So define clean and dry. Am I, am I meant to be like getting dish soap and like using a sponge to wash a container out before I recycle it? Yeah, to be honest, that's really what we need to do for items that are super sticky like that, like peanut butter or like Nutella. I always have Nutella jars that I'm like wrangling with a spoon to get the last bite out of to avoid doing as much of that as possible. I have some friends that will give it to their dog if they have some peanut butter to to lick out. But if you're not feeling motivated on that particular day to really use some elbow grease and hot water and soap, it's better to throw out that item rather than contaminate the recycling stream with it. But for things Things like beverages or stuff that's less sticky, rinsing it out is usually more than fine. Are there other items that you would think are just like better to trash rather than trying to recycle? It's a good question. And really, you want to always err on the side of caution. So if you're not sure about whether an item can be recycled in D.C. here where we are, 
always better to throw it out rather than risk that contamination. Um, but for the most part, we can accept a really wide array of materials in DC. We can recycle all rigid plastic containers for the most part. We can recycle aluminum cans, steel cans, paper, cardboard. The one material we really struggle with and don't have an end market for is glass, unfortunately. So a lot of folks in DC don't get as much of that into the system as we would like, but that's really the only material that we flat out do not have an end market for today. Okay, so you say that DC can actually recycle a lot of material. I'm going to put that claim to the test. Tell me if the following things are recyclable and what you need to know about recycling those things. Sure. Pizza boxes. Yes, pizza boxes are recyclable. We can recycle them here in DC. You just need to make sure that there's no actual cheese and pizza left. Grease is no problem. You can leave that in the pizza box. And the reason why is that paper mills use the same treatments to get the colorant and the ink out of the pizza box. That works the exact same on grease. So they actually don't even have to do anything extra to, to get that grease out. Okay, interesting, interesting. What about the thin plastic part that comes around the plastic thing when you buy produce, like mushrooms or blueberries? Okay, so for something like that, like that plastic wrapping over a mushroom, say, that's not something that we can recycle. Um, that's made out of a kind of plastic that we can't accommodate in the curbside system in that flexible format. So anything that's really flexible is apt to get wrapped around that recycling equipment that we want to avoid. So that would be best in the trash. In that same vein, the thin plastic thing that goes around like a six pack of beer, the things that if, if, if that we probably grew up hearing that you needed to cut like in school because like, oh, fish will get stuck in them, <laughs> those things. Yeah, that's a great one. Six pack rings and a lot of other plastic flexible film is made out of pure polyethylene. And we can bring that to a store drop off for plastic film recycling. So because it's flexible and can wrap around machinery, we can't put it into our normal blue bin, but we can bring it to grocery stores and retailers like Target, Ikea, Walmart to go and get directly recycled back with other plastic film. What about those white kind of like waxy paper sheets that you get around like a bagel or a sandwich ago? Oh, such a good question. So a lot of those are made out of paper and you can recycle them just fine. We do want to be careful that actual wax paper, like if you're baking some chocolate chip cookies and are throwing them on a, you know, parchment paper, wax paper, actual wax can't be recycled on paper. But most of those kind of, you know, sleeves that you might get a bagel in might have a little bit of a sheen to them, but they're, they're usually just fine to recycle with other paper. Okay, well, to that end, I have another one that's sort of on that list. It's my last one. I love it. I eat a lot of lozenges as a podcaster. The little, tiny little waxy wrappers are so small that go around a lozenge. Yeah, me too. I have my desk full of them over here. And those are unfortunately too small to be recycled. So we don't even need to think about their material composition here because anything under two inches by two inches is going to be too small for our recycling system to handle. And that's the case nationwide. Our recycling infrastructure was really designed to handle stuff that's the size of a soda bottle, the size of a cereal box, the size of a soup can. Um, but stuff that's way smaller or way bigger really isn't going to be compatible. So that same situation happens with shredded paper, for instance. We unfortunately couldn't, if you got some shredded paper, some old receipts you're, you're shredding, we want to make sure that's out of the recycling system because that just turns into confetti in a recycling facility.
When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. talk more broadly about the philosophical ideas around recycling. Like when I'm scrubbing out my Nutella jar, I can't help but think about all the billionaires who were like on corporate jets. Like philosophically, is it worth it for me as an individual to be going through all the work of trying to get the most out of DC's recycling system while corporate interests are not really working that hard at keeping our environment clean? I think that that philosophical question is such a valid one. And here in D.C., just to think about the numbers for our own city, about 10 percent of the material that the city as a whole produces is from single family homes. About another 10 or so percent is from multifamily buildings. And then 80 percent is from business. So to that point you raise that certainly we all have a responsibility, but business has a big one is, is I think really true. And when we think a little bit further about that in DC, we don't have big industrial activity going on. You know, there are some parts of the country where that's taking place for sure. DC has never been a city where that manufacturing sector has been really large. So even in DC, when we think about the business sector, we're talking about office buildings, we're talking about coffee shops, we're talking about hospitals, universities, all of those spaces. And those are all spaces that we move through on a daily basis, that we're all generating food service packaging from our salad at lunch and our coffee coming into the office and, you know, the notes that you were writing during a meeting, all of those things. So in my mind, I think it's really important to think about everyone in tandem working together no one sector can solve it on its own. So I think that to me, that feels really empowering that, you know, I have the ability to influence where our waste generation is going on a day-to-day -day basis, whether I'm at home or in my nine to five, but also that we can really vote with our dollars. And if you're buying a new pair of pants, if you're buying a new sofa, you can find a version of that product today that's made with recycled content and vote with your dollars to support companies that are using recycled content and supporting the recycling system as well. That's really good to know. So I guess I gotta, I gotta ask, like, I have with my own eyes seen when the trucks come behind my building, just dump the recycling in the same truck as the trash. And I'm like, oh, they're not, they're not really, you know, it doesn't really matter. What, what should I be doing? What should I be thinking? Oh, uh, nothing pains me more. So I, I'm glad I'm not alone in totally cringing and hating to see that happen. There are a couple of instances where that's going to occur and that's the situation we would expect for a given scenario. So like, let's say you're on a recycling route, trash truck goes out in the morning, recycling truck goes out in the morning. Sometimes they break down and a trash truck might have to complete the route and pick up the last hundred households or so. That's a situation where the city knows that's not 
what's supposed to be going on, but that's the protocol to make sure that material isn't hanging out and rats aren't getting to feast on it. But there are a lot of private haulers that pick up from multifamily buildings, from businesses where you see that happening too. And categorically, that's against DC regulations. DC regulations say you have to pick up trash as trash, you have to pick up recycling as recycling, that has to happen in two separate trucks. Okay, good to know, good to know. I I might have some back alley refuse scoff law action. You <laughs> totally could. And if you see it, please do call 311, reach out to the Department of Public Works. If you can give information on where that happened, when that happened, what company, or if it was the city, those details are all really helpful to be able to, to start enforcing and, and getting better compliance. Oh, listeners know there's nothing more that I love than like being a little bit of a neighborhood Karen. So I will, I will deputize myself to deal with this. Charlotte, I ideally, when recycling is appropriately put in the right bin and then it goes in the right truck, what happens next to DC's recycling? Yeah, so almost all of it gets brought to DC's transfer stations. We have two transfer stations that are operated by the city, one at Benning Road and one at Fort Totten. Benning Road is undergoing a huge overhaul and revamp, and right now all that material is just being brought to Fort Totten. But that material really gets brought into what's essentially a massive warehouse and dumped in a big pile. And the recycling gets screened for quality. So when we were talking about contamination a moment ago, there's going to be an employee saying, that looks clean, thumbs up, let's get it to a recycling facility, or saying that's too contaminated for our recycling system to to handle. So if it does make it through that stage and is clean enough, and most loads are, it'll get to what we call a material recovery facility, or MRF, just like Smurf without the S. And that's where all of our recyclables will be separated into plastic, from paper, from aluminum, from steel, and then get on to a final processing destination. And we do that really well. We have a process loss of about 2%. So 98% of what gets brought to that recycling facility, as long as it's not contamination, is going to to get through and and get to a a final destination. Last rapid fire recycling question. Those mini propane tanks, not the big ones, the mini ones. Yeah, so mini propane tanks should never be recycled in DC. They are permitted in the household trash and that is bonkers to me. It being a fuel canister really is a fire risk. And to be honest, the reason Benning Road Transfer Station that we talked about, one of the two facilities where recycling gets brought, isn't operating right now is because it burned down to the ground a couple of years ago. So bringing that material to a special household hazardous waste drop-off is best, but it can go in your trash if you're just not going to get to a HHW drop-off. You just settled a multi-year argument in my home because we have one of those mini portable heaters that runs by those propane tanks, so we have a lot of them. My partner's like, you could throw them in the garbage. I was like, that's crazy. I'm not putting this in the garbage for it to explode. We just have a pile of them just piled up empty in our apartment because it's been a standoff of like, do they go in the garbage or do they not? Now I know. Thank you for the clarity. Anytime. Anything I can do to settle a recycling debate is my pleasure. But thank you on behalf of the recycling industry for not putting that into the system. (laughs) Every month we're hitting record new highs of fires at facilities across the country. So as the world continues to heat on up, we know that's only going to get worse. For folks out there who might want to learn more about recycling in D.C., do you have any resources they can check out? Yeah, I would say head to Zero Waste D.C.'s website. That's the Office of Waste Diversion with the Department of Public Works. They 
have that full list of recyclables. They have information on where to bring plastic film and electronics and batteries and all those special items that maybe they can be recycled, but not in your curbside bin. And I also talk a lot about recycling on Twitter at Shardryzen and answer lots of great questions that people ask. They often include a photo of what they're holding at their sink. And they have that same question of, what do I do? It's too dirty. Can I put it into my blue bin as is? So always happy to answer any recycling questions directly there as well. Thanks so much for being here, Charlotte. You bet. My pleasure. And listeners, hang around. Maybe grab a baked good for this next segment, which is sponsored by Food and Friends. Lead producer Priyanka Tilve is chatting with the people behind Slice of Life, an annual pie sale where the proceeds help feed local families. Hey, I'm Priyanka Tilve here with Katrina Mathis, the Food and Friends Director of Volunteer Services, and Jenna Huntsberger, who owns the award-winning bakery Whisked by Jenna. So, Katrina, we're here to talk about Slice of Life, which is the annual pie sale by your organization, Food and Friends. I believe you're trying to sell 6,000 pies by November 15th. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, oh my we gosh. We definitely love selling pies. We hope you buy one. I mean, it's pie season. You do not have to convince me. But I hear that this initiative is about more than just delicious desserts. It is. So what we do every year is we give people, as I say, an opportunity to do something sweet and get something sweet in return. We have clients that we serve throughout the DMV who are battling serious illnesses. And we sell these pies so that we can fund our mission, so that we can make things happen. We do everything we do free of charge. And what we do is provide medically tailored meals to our neighbors throughout the DMV who are battling chronic illnesses. And having this pie fundraiser every year is a great way to get the people in the community involved in helping us to give back. The cost of one pie covers the cost of meals for a client for one day. So again, as I said, it's a great way to do something sweet and get something sweet in return. There are a couple of ways that you can do it. You can create your own pie team and you can sell pies and you can help us raise those dollars. Or you can find a team or an individual that you want to support or you can buy pies. You are helping us provide meals for a client for one day. The cost of one pie does that. But then the other thing you can do is on Thanksgiving Day, we are going to be delivering 4,500 meals to 900 families because we want our clients, regardless of the illness that they are facing, we want them to be able to gather around their table with their family and friends, just like we do, and have a great meal. Let me also add that we will be supplying 1,800 pies to our clients so if you want to buy a client pie, if you don't want to have a pie for yourself, if you're not going to be in town for Thanksgiving, you can buy a pie for a client and that will go a long way. Yeah, I want to hear more about these pies. Jenna, what makes these pies special? How are they different from, you know, like random pies that most of us usually grab from the grocery store, like last minute, desperately the night before Thanksgiving? Well, our pies are made by our team of expert bakers, and they really are made by hand. We're making our own pie crust. You know, we're pressing it ourselves. We're making fillings. We're using the best ingredients that we can possibly source. We are baking them to perfection, and we're packaging them up for our client. So yeah, it's just a very high quality, very like labor-intensive pie that is much more similar to something that you would make at home, you know, for your own Thanksgiving feast uh, that you can get from us. That sounds amazing. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of great work, but 
Katrina, I know that this is all part of Food and Friends' larger goals year-round. So how many people does the organization help every year? Well, on average, we we have about 2,000 clients at a time. And uh, those clients can go up to about 4,000 clients during the year. It really just depends on how long a client is with us. Clients can be on service as little as three months. Uh, up to nine months or even a few years. It really just depends on the client and what their ailment is. And in addition to providing meals for our clients, we also provide meals for up to four dependents in a household. There is no income eligibility with us. What our clients have to do is really demonstrate a need through their health and nutrition. And if we believe that food can either improve or manage their ailment, then we can take them on as a client. So for people, I always say, you know, if you're not going to be able to come in and volunteer, buy a pie. But even if you buy a pie, please come in and volunteer (laughs) because it takes all of us to help ensure that our clients have the food that they need. Yeah. How can people who are listening sign up to be part of Slice of Life, Jenna? So go to sliceoflifedc.org and select your pickup site and you can buy pies through November 15th. Katrina Mathis and Jenna Huntsberger, thank you so much for being here. Again, check out sliceoflifedc.org to learn more. We'll have that link in our show notes for you as well. So you're just a click away. Thanks for listening. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell your friend who can't get enough of recycling? You can rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. Charlotte, I have to say, you really know your stuff. I thought I was going to get you on one of those. I'm I'm, uh, I'm game. You, You had some good ones there. You're keeping me on my toes.